0: Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Kurita, your host. Thank you for tuning in. It's our pleasure to welcome you to the program today. Please stay with us for a wonderful discussion we may have uh, in regard to husbands and wives together at the cross. I would like to say hello to our panel today and it's good to have back with us uh, Joe. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Nick. It's a pleasure to be back.
0: Jerry, it's good to have you with us too. Yeah, thank you,
2: Nick. I'm looking forward
0: to it. Hi, uh, Denise. Thank you for joining us.
3: Hi, Nick. I'm very happy to be here.
0: Will, it's good to have you uh, coming with us too. It's good to be here. Thank you, Nick. Hello, Ligia. It's good to have you part of this discussion today.
4: Yes, thank you. I feel very privileged always to learn from God's Word.
0: Ken, it's good to have you with us today, and I would like to take this uh, opportunity to thank you for uh, preparing this uh, discussion, this Bible study today. You are going to facilitate, and it's good to have you with us.
5: Thank you, Nick. Always a privilege to be here.
0: Well, with such a topic today, we may uh, try to utilise every single uh, uh, moment possible Uh, to talk about this wonderful uh, topic which the Bible uh, presents. Uh, Ken, would you be able to take us through, please?
5: Certainly, Nick. Hello, listeners, and thank you for joining us today as we continue our journey into God's Word. We are again looking into the writings of Paul, as found in the book of Ephesians. At the time, Paul was writing these letters to the Ephesians from jail, where he was imprisoned had been some years since he had been to Ephesus, and he was concerned how those who had been converted when he was there were getting on. Were they holding on to the truth of the Bible, or had they watered it down? Or even worse, added some of the many gods or practices that were to be found in this very modern and progressive city. Today's study is entitled, as Nick said a moment ago, Husband and Wives Together at the Cross. But before we get into this, I'm going to ask Joe to open in prayer.
1: Father in heaven, we pray that you will be with us as we study this passage and what Paul is trying to tell us about relationships. We might wonder, could something written so long still be relevant in the 21st century? But we know that God's word, your word, is ageless and eternal. So please be with us as we examine this advice and help us to glean something we can all take home. We pray that we will be, fo- will be refocused on what's really important in our lives. Help us to be faithful, faithful servant leaders, whichever the situation requires. Guide us to be faithful and loving to all within our reach, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
5: Thank you, Joe. Today's study, I believe, can be summed up in one word, love. In the beginning, when God was making this world and mankind, we find an important passage in Genesis 1 verse 26, which tells us that God made man in his likeness, image, and character. In other words, similar in being to God, and he gave him dominion over everything that was on the earth, in the sea, and in the air. Now, let's remember this as today study may be a bit controversial to many people. Man was made before woman. Why? Well, because he is made in the image of God in Jesus. Now God had made this beautiful earth with amazing animals, plants, fishes and birds, all for the pleasure of man. But then God wanted man to have someone like himself, as we read in Genesis 2, verses 18, James Version. Jerry, would you explain and read this? Yes, Ken, from the New King
2: James Version of the Bible chapter 2 verse 18 it says and the Lord God said it is not good that man should be alone I will make him a helper comparable to him now in the King James version it says a help meet for him that's that's an old English way of saying it but essentially what it means is a helper or someone suitable for him somebody to complement him if you like or to make him complete now I find that really interesting because um, if I can just uh, go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, that you alluded to already, and reading from the New King James Version again, if I may, it says there, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. A few things come to mind here. God is not by himself, if you like. God is not... Uh, God is a social being, if I can put it that way. And he replicates himself almost in creating man in his image or likeness. And it goes on to say, let them, that is man, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And verse 27 says, so God created man in his, in, in his own image, in the image of God he created Him, male and female he created them I find that very interesting so they both man and woman are created in God's image and he blesses them both on day 6 so even though we go on to read that how female or the woman was created is, is somewhat different than man they were both created in God's image they were both blessed and um, I like it how a paraphrase puts the clear word, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So they, that is God, created two human beings, a male and a female, equal but with different functions to reflect the unity of the Godhead. So equal but with different functions reminds me of the unity or the oneness or, if you like, the order and importance that Paul alludes to in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. I'm I'm digressing a little bit here, but it says there, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So God's order is very clear. He created a male and a female, just two genders, no more.
0: It's my privilege also to welcome back with us uh, uh, Brenton. It's good to have you with us. It's good to have all men and women together for such a discussion today.
6: Thank you, Nick. It's a, a privilege to be back. We had a long day yesterday driving from Canberra to Adelaide. So it's it's really wonderful to be back and be part of the uh, program
0: today. Well, looking forward for your input uh, to Brenton. I'd just like to add and or maybe comment a little bit on what Jerry was saying. Very important, you know, how the Bible um, explained that, that uh, God's creation, you know, so wonderful, perfect. God created all of us, you know, uh, man and woman to be in his plan to be a perfect creation. What I would like to underline here is that we may touch on certain things today, which will be probably different in somebody's mind or view. The reason why, because we are going to talk also about the results of disobedience of man and woman. And because of that, God came with a different approach, if you like, to clarify some things in the order of things to still function, as good as possible under this condition of sin. And that's where God is talking about man and woman a little bit different.
1: I think it was addressed very well by Jerry, but my point was also that God created mankind, male and female, in his own image. Eve was not created in the image of Adam. Um, They were both created in the image of God, and I think that's important that they're on that equal footing, they're children, both children in God's own image.
5: So we see God thinking on what more he can give to man. And he gives him the gift of another person whom Adam names woman. Genesis 2, verses 23. Now God does not create the woman from the dust as he did with Adam. Rather, he causes Adam to go into a deep sleep. Then he takes a part of Adam's body and creates a new person. So here we have the world's first couple, very special, made by the hands of God, and precious in His sight. Later, what happens next?
4: As we read in uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says that uh, after God created man and the woman in his image, uh, he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground and uh, in chapter 2 verse 24 it says for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh so by divine design marriage is intended by God to be one flesh relationship with sexual unity mirrored in emotional and spiritual unity and emotional and spiritual unity bringing meaning to the sexual relationship that God designed between a man and a woman to be fruitful and increase in number.
5: Listeners, we read earlier about mankind being made in the image of God. Now there is an important message in first John. Chapter 4, verse 7. Denise, what is this and what is its connection with today's study? All
3: right, Ken, I'm going to read a couple of um, verses in 1 John 4. I'm starting with 1 John 4, verse 7, and I'm reading from the clear word, and it says, Dear friends, let us love one another as God loves us. Such love comes only from him. Everyone who has genuine love for others has been born again and knows God. Uh, The other verses I wanted to read is verse 12. says none of us can say that we've seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love will be perfected in us as we share it with others. And the last text I want to read is verse 19 of the same chapter, First John 4. We love God because he first loved us. That's where our love comes from. So when we're talking about any relationship, whether it's family, friends, in a marriage relationship, the ability to love each other in the way God wants us to comes from God. So our connection with God is vital for us to sustain the love that he wants us to sustain with one another. So it's God-generated, and without God being part of our lives, it's very difficult to love anyone in the way that he wants us to because our selfish, natural desires are going to take over.
5: That's a very good point. Nick, you have a comment?
0: Yeah, just to point out what Denise was saying in in, in this regard because, you know, in other parts of the Bible, we may remember that uh, it says, how can you say that you love God and you don't love your neighbour? Which is near you and who's nearer to us all uh, in generally is the spouse, you know, uh, and uh, I think it's important. That's why today we are going to talk about husbands and wives at the cross. That's where the relationship is healed, if you like, because we are under this condition, as I mentioned a bit earlier in sin and the temptation and the tendency of each one of us, man and woman, is not to be as God intended to be. But at the cross we can be vindicated. Thank you, Nick.
5: Now we come to an interesting passage in Ephesians 5, verse 22. Will, what is this and what is Paul telling believers?
7: I'm sure, Ken, that we would have a lot to say about these verses. But let me read... uh... Ephesians 5, from verse 22 to 24. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. As to the Lord, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so, also, wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, I'm sure the panel will have lots to say about this. Let me just say that uh, what to me is, stands out is the appeal That we submit to one another, talking about members of the church. So there must be some sort of link here. The submission is not a subjugation, not a uh, getting under the thumb or under the foot and crushing someone else. But I'm sure the panel will say a lot more. But what is important, we need, we need to honor and respect. The wife needs to honor and respect the husband. As the Bible indicates, but remember that Christ is the head of the household, and it is Christ who must come first.
3: Yes, I really like what Will said there, and I think when um, each of those texts talked about submitting as unto the Lord, and I think if we're not, if the husband and wife are not submitting to the Lord first, then it's going to be very difficult to uh, live together peaceably.
5: Denise, that's a really important point. Jerry, you have a comment?
2: Yeah, just backing up what uh, Denise just said. When you read these verses, it's important to note the language that, uh, that Paul uses. And you'll notice that uh, the expression just as occurs three or four times, just as, and starting in verse 24, therefore just as the church is subject to Christ. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the Church. Then uh, you drop down to verse 29, uh, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the Church. Uh, And it's interesting, I find, uh, you know, you you need to pay attention to how it's worded, significant.
4: I would like to read a passage from the Adventist home uh, in light of what we just have read. So he says that if the husband is a coarse, rough, boisterous, egotistical, harsh and overbearing man, let him never utter the word that the husband is the head of the wife and that she must submit to him in everything. For he is not the Lord. He is not the husband in the true significance of the term. So in regard to the wife being submitted to the husband, also the husband has to be a true follower of Jesus. Should be a husband that um loves Jesus and uh, uh is doing the example of Jesus in regard to his wife relationship.
5: This we read a moment ago, why submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord? No. So, Does this mean wives are to be slaves to the husband and must do whatever he wants?
1: Well, clearly not. But um, I'd like to reiterate what was already said about the concept of submission already touched on earlier in that same chapter. And verse 21, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it goes on, wives, submit to your own husbands. We can see that the church members are called to submit to one another, clearly of both sexes, for the sake of harmony and love. And then he goes on to call for wives to respect and submit to their husbands so that the harmony and love experienced in the church exists, is extended to individual homes and lives. It doesn't mean, as Ligia read, that it um, the husband is a law unto himself and he's always right, as we will find out as we read further on in that chapter. I like the way the message puts it. It says, Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Now, I know in today's society has already been touched on to submit or submission carries with it ideas of being under some sort of control or perpetual restraint, being trapped all unpleasant notions. But I I don't think this is what Paul is saying here. If you look at the whole passage and the context, it is a mutual commitment to look out for one another. Submission in marriage means selflessness, service, accountability, and respect for your partner. I believe it goes both ways which should be mutual. It is not demanding to have one's own way regardless, sulking when opposed. It is not slavery or a call for a woman to lose her voice, big word these days, (laughs) nor the husband to lose his. Yet occasionally we do come across some partnerships where one partner has completely dominated and suppressed the other, and that's unfortunate. It goes both ways. The Christian marriage is or, or should be built on And in love and love is, and love is anything but the desire to control. So no women do not become slaves, but I believe are empowered as equals, walking together in agreement and mutual support in harmony. We need each other for strength to go on, knowing that someone has my back and I too am watching out for theirs. Another point I'd like to make is that submission does not imply an inherent inferiority as some have claimed in the past and in some area in some circles still today christ is equal in status to the father but willingly submits, submits himself to his father's will in the same way women are equal in value and worth to men since both are created in god's image hence the submission that paul is talking about is all about harmony in the home that no precious energy is wasted fighting each other, that the home environment reflects the heavenly one.
7: I think Joe has put it beautifully. What did you say, Joe, submission doesn't particularly mean? Inferiority. Inferiority. I found a beautifully inspired statement uh, in a book uh, called Patriarchs and Prophets, and it says Eve was created from a rib taken from the side of Adam. Signifying that she was not to control him as the head, nor be trampled under his feet as an inferior, but to stand by his side, and here is the phrase that I want to emphasize, but to stand by his side as an equal, to be loved and protected by him as part of man, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, She was his second self, showing the close union and the affectionate attachment that should exist in this relation. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it.
5: Well, that was a lovely way to put that. Nick, do you have a comment?
0: Yes. Well, um, today, as I said um, already a few times, a lot of thoughts will come into our mind because it's such an important uh, topic. I would like to underline again, because we read that in the Bible, in regard to the head of the wife, the husband being the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. I wonder if the panel has something to put into this, because how do we understand that? We talk about equality, and there's no question about that. But how can we draw a little thought here to clarify if you like how a husband is the head of the wife and he says that the wife to submit to the husband if we look at christ which is the head of the church it's a very important parallel here can we draw a lesson there i may just say this these days there are people who believe that somebody else is the head of the church I may not go into that, uh, who who believes that. But any comments on this? Because I think we cannot just let this go easily. Uh, We need to clarify certain things because there will be a lot of people continuing to ask this this question. Why the Bible says, submit to your husband as the head of the family.
5: Thank you, Nick. That's an important comment. In ancient days, marriage and weddings were a very important and and special event. They were not rushed events, rather well-planned and prepared, where the whole family came together. It betrays to us the value and love Jesus puts on us as we, the church, are his bride. Denise, what is Paul telling us about the bride as the church of Christ?
3: Well, Ken, Paul portrays Christ as the one who presents the bride to himself. Now, in ancient times, the bride would be given away by the best man or best men or her father, never by her groom. Here, Paul imagines Jesus presenting the church as bride to himself. Paul uses the marriage customs and roles to highlight Christ's relationship to the church in an unfolding chronological pattern. So first we have the betrothal, where Christ offered himself up for the church as the bride price and so became betrothed to her. The second part of the pattern is the preparation for the wedding ceremony, where the attentions of the bridegroom continue in his present efforts to sanctify and cleanse the bride. The third part is the wedding ceremony itself where Jesus' present attentions are in view of the presentation of the bride and the wedding. So this last element looks to the grand wedding celebration at his second coming, when Christ the bridegroom will come to claim the church as his bride and
6: present her to himself. Thank you, Denise. A couple of things uh, stand out for me in this particular study, Ken. Number one, the wife is not to see her husband as God. That's the first thing. However, the submission is similar to the submission of the husband to God as the wife to God. So whilst the husband is not the in the place of Christ to his wife, the submission is along those lines. But when you get to verse 26, really verse 26 clarifies it all. Or verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. The key word to my way of thinking in this whole passage is the word gave, gave himself for her. So this submission that Joe talked about, that Denise talked about, that uh, Jerry has talked about and others, this submission is a voluntary submission that it's based on giving. Christ gave himself for the church Look at what Christ actually did. He came from the throne of heaven, equal with God the Father, to this earth and made himself lower than anything, lower than a slave. And so this submission is a voluntary submission, as we've already touched on, but it's based on the principle of giving. If you're totally looking out for the other partner's best welfare, I believe you are starting to approach... The um desire that Paul has in this passage it Was when Paul wrote this He would have written this to a house church And you know what you would have had in the house church? You would have had husbands, wives, slaves Slave masters, uh people who were not married They would have all been identified in the church group By the way they were dressed And where they were sitting perhaps And all of those sorts of things And... um Paul is pointing out Christ's relationship with his church and using that to as a metaphor for a marriage relationship. If husbands loved their wives as themselves, I tell you what, we would have a a much better society in which to live. How do you apply this? The question that I have for ourselves as a panel and for myself is how do you apply this in 21st century life where you have single mothers, single fathers you have um, male-male relationships female-female relationships you have broken relationships how does all of this work i think the only uh, honest answer we can give is to say we, we need to go back to this model that paul is presenting to us that we are to submit to one another and he talks about the same thing in relationship to the way the church members at a carry on. So the voluntary submission of church members to one another is similar to the relationship that's
0: talked about here. Nick? Yes, I just want to simplify a little bit what I asked a little bit earlier about that question. I want to put it in this way, looking at the ex- example of our Lord Jesus Christ being the head of the church, the ones who provides. The reason we have over 30 5,000 Christian denominations because everyone thinks that they understand in their way how to follow Jesus, which is the head. That's why we have so many differences today in society in regard to this difficult passage. What that means, you know, submission and leadership and all those things. I believe God wants the husband to be the same like Jesus was for the church, to provide, to go all the way to the end, as Jesus did for the church, and wives, to follow the teaching of the Bible, that together they can form that wonderful nucleus who can show the world that being in Jesus, you are united. Unfortunately, in society, And in church, dare I say, we are disunited in regards to this sort of topics. Because men will take his side, women will take her side. I believe in Jesus. We need to be one and to understand what Jesus expects from each one of us. And let's not just uh, pat it for the sake of, uh, because we see the abuse in society where women are badly abused and we don't for a moment excuse that but let's don't just put aside and uh, pat it because God really wants us to be a successful tool and unit in his hands to reveal the gospel to the dying world, to those people who live in darkness because of misunderstanding of the role of men and women in society and in the church.
5: Thank you, Nick. Again, we see the value and love Jesus places on each and every one of us as he sees us as his bride. Will, you have a few comments on this
7: one. Yes, I read uh, once something that is very valuable, which says, Paul's rules for Christian household disclose a challenging social context. We can all agree with that. In Ephesians, Paul addresses husbands who are following the all too frequent pattern of the time, historically, that they rather hate their own flesh by abusing and beating their wives. In the Greco-Roman world of Paul's day, the legal power of the father of the family, or in Latin, the pater familias, was very broad. Unbelievably, he could punish harshly or even kill his wife, could kill his children and slaves, and be within his legal rights. Though exercising such power in extreme ways became increasingly constrained by public opinion. You know, an example of this can still be seen today in certain cultures where honor killings are committed by putting to death members of one's own family to preserve the so-called reputation of the father or the family unit. You just don't kill in impatience or at a whim It's just not right, to my understanding. So clearly we're dealing here with the time in which Paul was writing, the society and how they thought and acted. And uh, in Ephesians 5, verses 25 to 27, Paul is clarifying, he details the ultimate example of love. Christ's love for the church, offering a drastically different model for husbands than the usual one, especially in his day.
5: Listener says we have mentioned a few times, meet five wives, submit yourselves on your husbands, and we are trying to give both sides of the story, because sometimes this just comes across as that's the end of it. But Paul does not leave it there, as a husband has a duty to the wife also, Nick, what is this?
0: Yes, can we we mention a couple of times uh, that uh, the invitation is that husbands love your wife, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So ought the man to love their wives as their own bodies? That's very, very specific, you know, that uh, he loved his wife, he loved himself. Not that we are narcissists here, you know, but uh, actually it's a very good uh, um indication how to love uh, one another, how to love a man, how to love his wife. For not man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished, cherished, as the Lord uh, did that to the church. I mean, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Nevertheless, let every one of you so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now we can comment again and again, and unfortunately the time doesn't allow us on this uh, broadcast today to go in all the details. But what we understand here today is that um, we are living in this society which is very confused in this regard. And unfortunately, um, it took a wrong direction long time ago, uh, but it's uh, getting worse and worse. And we're invited again as children of God, as ambassadors, if you like, of, um, of heaven, to stand for what God expects from us all. How that will happen, I can say one thing. I look at myself and I know how faulty I am when I look into these sort of things. The only hope for us is to look at Jesus, to go together at the cross and we'll find out many answers which we may not have uh, yet today in society,
2: Ken, I'm reminded of uh, Paul's advice in First Corinthians chapter 13. You know, when people get married, this this uh, chapter is often read out, and for good reason. Because um, for those of us who are married or have been married, we know that it can be quite challenging, uh, and that's because we both both partners are imperfect. We are not perfect beings. But uh, the counsel here, I think, is, is very useful because he says, and if I can quote from uh, chapter 13, just read a few verses starting with verse 4. It says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then finally in verse 8, love never fails. So these are very practical guidelines that if if both parties, male and female, husband and wife, will apply, then you give yourself the best possible chance of success. And you can make it work. There is such a thing as a happy marriage. You just have to follow the blueprint
3: I love that chapter in first um, Corinthians 13 and I think that from what I read in first John earlier that that love is the love that comes from God he's the one that generates that in our lives we we don't naturally uh, generate that of in our own human fallen condition we need God to generate that through us on a daily basis in our relationships
6: and I think I, I think there's a um, a text that needs to be studied a bit more. Genesis 3.19, there was a change in relationships as a result of sin, and that text is is really worth um, studying, I think, a bit more. There's a couple of things. Um, Someone just read a text about, uh, I think it was Nick, who read the text about uh, wives reverencing their husbands. I think other versions say things like respect can I suggest that um you have to be worthy of respect before respect can be shown? I believe personally that the relationship that Christ um gave to the human family after sin has been abused by men. And I believe that what Paul is saying here in Ephesians 5, if you were reading this out in church, you're reading it to husbands, and there was... there was a book printed in the second century BC by the Jewish rabbis called the Syriac. And in the Syriac, it talks about how the primary role of the wife and the, the family is to stroke the husband's ego and to build up his reputation in society. Now, Will is nodding his head because he touched upon the issue of honor killings. Now, we're not here to discuss honour killings, but all of this ties in together with a distorted and warped view of relationships. And what Paul is calling them to here is the highest of all relationships. Christ gave himself for the church. Husbands are to give themselves voluntarily for their wives. Wives are to respect their husbands etc cetera, etc cetera. this is the highest possible calling and we've all touched upon the issue that it can't be done humanly but it can be done as denise quite rightly pointed out from first john 4 it can be done when christ truly is living in a person's life then it is possible to have this kind of submission and to have this kind of giving that we're talking about
4: there is a saying which it says, respect must be earned, not demanded.
5: Yes, some very interesting comments there, and it's very clear and easy to understand the message from Paul, how men should love their wives. It is interesting to note verse 31 here. Well, why is
7: this? Let me read uh, Genesis 2 verse 24, if I may. It says, that is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Now, we've commented on this already, but a key to applying Paul's counsel to wives and husbands is to see him quoting that as the culmination of it. As he meditates on the creation story in Genesis Paul considers the needs of the Christian congregations and the health of the family relationships within them. He hears Genesis 2.24, the text I've read, a message that echoes down through time. By divine design, marriage is is intended to be a one-flesh relationship with sexual unity mirrored in emotional and spiritual unity. An emotional and spiritual unity, bringing meaning to the intimate relationship. Paul chooses to quote the creation model, which is a statement about marriage made before the fall, note before the fall, and it applies to the relationships between Christian husbands and wives. In our distinctly post-fall world, especially in modern times, Rampant exploitation of the sexual relationship between a man and a woman reveals how deeply entrenched in modern cultures is the idea that the sexual unity represents subjugation of woman. Paul argues that the sexual relationship as reflected in Genesis is not one of subjugation but of union. It does not symbolize or actualize the dominance of the male, but the union of the husband and wife. So much so that they are one flesh. And this is an important countercultural countercultural, I might say, and corrective theol- the- theology of marriage and sexuality today.
0: Well, uh, my dear friends, uh, today... I would love you to have um, a book which we continue to provide for you. Actually, it's a devotional and how important that will be to come together, husbands and wives, and maybe look at this devotional starting together, even the day, um, at the cross, as we mentioned. That's a wonderful devotional called God's Amazing Grace. We'll invite you, my dear friend, to request this offer which we have for today. And you just need to send us a text message with the code SABS1. The number is zero nine triple eight three. Please use this number and write us a comment or a thought, if you like, in regard to the discussion which we have here today. I believe this is a such important uh, topic and why not to get the right thing, you know, from, from the Bible rather than to go with our own uh, interpretation? Because unfortunately we are in this situation today with a lot of dysfunctional families just because each one of us we take sides. Let allow God to unite us in the whole truth.
5: Joe, you have a comment?
1: Yeah, I, I think that sometimes we can get hung up on words like submit, and uh it can we can lose the actual meaning of what actually Paul is trying to say, like is it only one way is it only women that need to submit to their husbands or do you think there are occasions when husbands also need to admit that they've been wrong and maybe the right the wife was right and that he needs to submit isn't that part of the Christian walking experience that we show deference to others and if we submit to one another in the church um, as part of God's people surely there is room for mutual submission in a marriage where one submits to the other when they are clearly see that there's a better way than they thought. And you know, I wouldn't want anyone to come away thinking that it's always the woman's role, woman's role to say yes, dear, yes, dear, without actually questioning anything. I don't think that's what God intended. He intended us for us to be a support to encourage, to build each other and edify each other um in our walk with God and with each other and with our families if we're lucky to have them. And so I think we can get hung up on, you know, submission and... You know, and really, I think it's to our detriment because we really miss the main message here. And that is that there should be love and harmony between the spouse, the two spouses, and that they should walk together and that they should each edify its own, their own spiritual or well, each other's spiritual walk as well. Because we know the enemy is trying to tear at that trying to tear people away from each other, from their family groups, from their churches, from any hope in their lives. And here Paul is saying, build each other up. You know, do what it takes to be in harmony. Submit if necessary. Sometimes submit even if you're in the right so that harmony will ensue. I think it also takes a position of strength to submit too, personally, because there have been times where I've I've let people have their own way at church, even though I thought, no, this is not the right way, but I've said, okay, if that's the way you want to go, go that way and we'll see how it works out. You know, rather than fight and fight over territory and whatever. And um it's just a a, a thought.
7: Yeah, and I like what uh, Joe has just said. Far from sinful dominance by men, heaven's model is one of a holy union, passionate, far from fear. Far from subjugation, but a beautiful love and understanding between two who act as one, or as the Bible puts it, one
6: flesh. then there is an example of what Joe has just been talking about, and Joe may or may not have thought of it. I'm not sure. <laughs> if you read First uh, uh, Samuel 25, deals with David's relationship with a man called Nabal, who was a particularly boorish sort of person he had a wife called abigail now david receives a slight from this man and decides that he and his men are going to go and sort Nabal and his family out and abigail actually comes personally to meet david and gives him advice now the advice that she gives is not just womanly advice, I believe it is very, very wise advice. He said, do you want to come to the throne of Israel with the stain of other people's blood on your hands? And he actually makes this comment that uh, I thank God that you have come to meet me today, otherwise I would have done something that I shouldn't have done. And uh, ultimately he marries after Nabal dies, he actually takes her as his wife So this is a very good example, I think, in Scripture of good advice that is accepted in the way that is given and it can apply either way, male or female. But this is a good example of a woman giving wise advice and David took that advice and saved, I believe, an awful tragedy had he gone ahead with what he was proposing to
0: do.
5: Thank you, Brendan Nick?
0: Yes, um, I I really like what, uh, you know... uh, how Joe was uh, yeah, emphasizing on um, how sometimes we understand words and apply in our life, and it can be misunderstood. Even though I would like to point out to this uh, aspect, you know that Jesus submitted to the Father. Now, Jesus was equal with the Father. Why was Jesus submitting to the Father? Now, the Holy Spirit has also, uh, submits, you know, and directs us all to Jesus. How do we understand in our relationship, husbands and wives, this terminology, submission? Shouldn't we look at God, how God gave us that example? Because that was all for a purpose, in our favor for our salvation. When we talk about submission and these words, which can be misunderstood, unfortunately, we look at them from this sinful nature and the sinful desires we have. And we want to show that we are right here or there. But if we are united, and I emphasize on this, husbands and wives, together, at the cross, we are here not only for ourselves. We are here for so many people who don't know God, don't know Jesus. How can we show the true God to people if we are uh, taking this sort of uh, attitude or sides? I would really like to to point this that our model it's God is Jesus and he show us how to submit. He show us How to be the head? He show us how to unite. I believe we have everything we need in the example of Jesus Christ. We'll simplify life a lot if we look at Jesus and put ourselves a little bit more in the shadow and allow Jesus to shine on us all.
5: I just want to make a quick comment on something Joe said a moment ago, which I believe is so true. And that is, husband, submit to your wives. Now, uh, as I said perhaps earlier on, husband and wife were a balance. The wife is a balance for the man and the man a balance for the wife. And uh, often, of course, we see things differently. And I have a saying in my house to my wife, I often say, she's seldom wrong, but she's right again. And often she proves that... uh, Uh, I think something should be done this way. And she said, oh, you'd be better doing it the other way. And often she's right. Well, listeners, time has got away from us again. We have heard today Paul's guidance and instructions about the relationship between husbands and wives. It is a beautiful way as Paul portrays it when he links it to the way Christ looks at his creation of men and women, a love so deep that he gave his own life for us. He also tells us in John 15, verse 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Of course, your wife or husband is more than a friend. Instead, something very special, a gift from God to you. I said at the start of today's study that I thought it could be summed up in one word, love, and I believe, husbands, this is what wives bring to the marriage. It is very clear we are to honour and love each other as Christ loves us. Perhaps after listening to this study, you may look at your wife or husband in a new light, the same light Jesus sees them in, and value them the way he values you. Later, would you close in prayer?
4: Or let's bow our heads in prayer. Holy Father in heaven, Thank you so much for this important topic that we studied today, husbands and wives together at the cross. Father, we realize that in our days as we are living now, the beauty and purity, the meaning you placed in unity of the marriage, it's nothing as you desired, as you intended to be, one flesh relationship mirrored in emotional and spiritual unity with you. The corruption of sin and selfish desires destroyed the spiritual meaning of unity you designed to be between these two people, Mm -hmm. a loving and caring unity and not a dysfunctional one. Father, thank you for the counsel you gave us again to Paul's advice of the one flesh, the model of marriage through unity, love, as Christ has for His Church. Father, please search our hearts through the power of your, of your Holy Spirit to be receptive to Your counsel, to surrender to You our selfish desires in order, order to live a life serving You, starting in our family, then going abroad. Father, help us to realize that You created the Christian family, and the Sabbath as two important institutions which you blessed and sanctified at the creation. Help us realize that the true unity of the family is important to you in our days and it's still in your attention. Father, please help us to view marriage and the family as a divine loving union and companionship, where mutual love, honor, and respect and responsibilities are the fabric of this relationship, which is the reflection of love, sanctity, closeness, and permanence of the relationship between Christ and His Church. Father, please bless all Christian families, the husbands and wives, the mothers and fathers, of their children help us all as husbands and wives as a family to reflect on jesus example to apply the knowledge we acquired in every day of our lives and even today and to assist each other toward a complete maturity
7: yes
4: your love and kindness you reflect on us daily Help us, Father, to reflect to one another in our daily relationship for everything we do to be for your honor and glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen.
0: Amen. Well, thank you, Ligia, for uh, the beautiful prayer. And uh, we pray to God that our relationship uh, will uh, improve and will decide to come at the cross husbands and wives, and allow God to transform us. My dear friend, I'll invite you to send us a text message. You may have a comment. You may have a thought. Share with us. We'll be very happy to hear from you. The number where you can uh, connect with us is zero four eight two zero nine triple eight three. Please don't forget that you can request our offer on the same number. And today the offer is still God's amazing grace. Send us a text message with the code S-A-B-S-1. And our friendly uh, robot will take you through. Until next time, may God richly bless you. We are going to uh, approach another wonderful topic practicing supreme loyalty to Christ. May God bless you. Keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.